Music is central to our well-being. If you're listening here, chances are you feel the same. The Classical Post podcast uncovers the creativity that exists behind great music. We believe music is interconnected with other art forms and life experiences. It doesn't exist in a vacuum, but is often influenced by other sources. No matter who you are, cultivating your creativity is fundamental to being better in business and living a more holistic life. Discover more on this podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Eifert. Thanks for joining me today, and I hope you find something valuable in this episode. My name's Ted Braun. I direct feature documentaries um, about people who are trying to expose and in some way or another address some of the systemic problems of the world. Um, the other dimension of my life is I'm a professor at USC where I teach screenwriting. And I also uh, am the founding um, uh, and inaugural holder of the Joseph Campbell Chair in Cinematic Ethics. So my life has, has got me wearing a lot of different hats. Tell us about creating the critically acclaimed documentary, Darfur Now, which was a huge success when it came out in 2007. So I'm curious what uh, your biggest takeaway from the whole experience was. Well, that was a transformative experience, Jonathan. I had, uh, I had been writing a comedy about a straight guy on a gay soccer team when, um, when my agent called and asked me if I thought I'd be interested in making a feature film about what was then, uh, an unfolding massive humanitarian crisis in Darfur that eventually uh, led to allegations of genocide and charges being brought against Sudanese government officials and militia leaders in the international criminal court. Um, I had been peripherally aware of the problems, uh, in Sudan. Um, and I said, sure, let me look into it. And as I began to understand what was happening there, I was really sparked by, by a feeling of outrage, outrage at the nature of the atrocities that were unfolding there and outrage at the world's indifference. And, um, and I thought making a film might, might be a way to respond to those, those elements. Um, the year or so that I spent filming, um, in Sudan and other parts of the world, I would say deepened my sense of, of, uh, of the importance of stories, um, when, and stories as a matter of life and death. When I was in Sudan, I, I met with people who, who were desperate to get their stories out into the world and were willing to take enormous risks, put, putting their own lives on the line to get get those stories out. And I also met people who were, who were so terrified that if, uh, their stories were exposed, they would only meet me under very clandestine circumstances. And that deepened my sense of the responsibility that we as cinematic storytellers have to our subjects and to the world at large. Describe a routine you have in place that helps you live a healthier life. I, uh, I run 20 miles a week. Um, I run every other day and, um, on the off days, I, I, I try to do, you know, s some other sort of exercise, uh, cycling or yoga. And I make a point of taking one day off a week, um, 
recovery, I think, in, in all dimensions of life, physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual, this is very important. And when it comes to energy, is there one thing that you can point to that helps you to keep creating, keep uh, that kind of creative spirit alive? I, I would say sleep. <laughs> uh, really making a, po a point of, of getting good sleep. And, um, and the other thing as far as keeping creative energy alive is I, I try to get up early and immediately respond to whatever, uh, whatever my unconscious has washed up uh, on the shores of my conscious brain uh, first thing in the morning. I find that the quicker I get to responding to those early morning creative impulses, the more energy and creative vitality I, I'm able to bring to the day. My, my day is won or lost by 10 a.m. <laughs> and, and when you're kind of talking about uh, doing some sort of delivery or action item, is that you're like writing stuff down that you may have thought about and contemplated the night before or through your dreaming through sleep or something, or, or what does that look like? It, it varies. I mean, most of my work is, is, is fairly objective and not internal. Um, you know, I, I make feature documentaries and, and write screenplays typically about, about true stories, about people who are, who are dealing with systemic crime. Usually, um, Gustavo Duval is a big exception. <laughs> um, but, um, but at night, as I'm sure many of your listeners have experienced, you, you go to bed wondering about something. There's a problem you're gnawing on or something you're trying to figure out. And, um, and oftentimes in the morning, there's an answer or there's an impulse to, to address that in some either direct or indirect fashion. And so, um, you know, I, I find when I wake up with that idea in mind, if instead of thinking, oh, I should do something about that later in the day, I immediately respond to it. I, I find that I'm able to, to maximize it and, and to really get very deep into addressing whatever the creative issue happens to be. What is one specific product you highly recommend? And I'm thinking anything. Uh, yeah. food, tech, wine, you name it. Well, my answer may surprise you, but it's a visit to the local farmer's market. Um, I have made that uh, a regular part of my life for, for decades now. I, I live in a part of Los Angeles where we have a lot of, of, of choices for, for farmer's markets and, um, being able to get there e each weekend and, and encounter and, uh, discover and, and, you know, and purchase fresh seasonal produce, um, is one of the best and healthiest things I've, I've done for myself. And it, it plugged me into a community of people and, um, and makes for great eats. <laughs> and I just like, I guess so many cities, um, with farmer's markets, there's different ones. Is there any particular one in LA that you recommend? I, I live in Westwood, California, and uh, there's a mar farmer's market in Brentwood, um, the Brentwood Farmer's Market on Sundays that I make it. Hey everyone, just a quick moment to pause this interview to recommend a product I've been using for the past couple of years and really love, and that is CBD oil from the Colorado-based company Ned. Their CBD has been really helpful to make me feel relaxed and get me in that de-stress zone, especially during the pandemic. 
It's a practice I want to keep doing daily even as we all get back to normal. I use their daily blend oil and have a monthly subscription, so it's easy to be consistent. As a listener of the Classical Post podcast, you receive 15% off, either a subscription like me or just a one-time purchase. Use the code ClassicalPost at checkout by tapping the link in this podcast show notes or head to helloned.com. When you are in New York, um, what restaurant or bar do you love to eat at? And then obviously, what do you order there? Can, can I give you a couple answers? Go for it. List, list them out. Um, I, um, I read Marcus Samuelson's book, Yes, Chef, um, when it first was published. And so um, I, I'd make a point of getting up to the Red Rooster in Harlem um, and love their crab cakes, catfish. And the bartender mixes a mean boulevardier, um, which he introduced me to. Um, I'd love to make a film about Marcus at some point. So I always try to make, uh, make a trip up to the Red Rooster. Um, when we were filming Betting on Zero, we worked a lot in mid Midtown Manhattan. And there's, a, there's a, a very small Chinese restaurant that's attached to a tea house and bookshop called the Radiance Tea House and Books. And... Um, and they, they make absolutely wonderful Chinese food. Um, and anything they, they touch with tofu or mushrooms is, is magnificent. And I lived for the, I lived for a couple of years in the West village in the early nineties. And I, I have a sentimental attachment to Rocco's, uh, Italian pastry shop. Great spot. Yeah. All of them. Uh, and in terms of outside of eating and, and that sort of thing in New York, um, is there a specific activity? that you're always, um, drawn to or always make time for? Well, I, I think New York is, is really the, the most fabulous city on the planet and it's incredibly stimulating. Um, uh, it might surprise your, your, your listeners. Uh, but the thing I, I enjoy the most about New York, um, on a regular basis is, is the public space, just getting out and walking around. Um, I, I try to make a point wherever I'm staying to get to one of the parks um, and just walking the streets of New York uh, in whatever borough uh, I find to be incredibly stimulating and fulfilling. I used to say to friends, I said, when you live in Los Angeles, you, you walk out of your house, you, you go by empty parked cars. When you live in New York, you, you walk out of your apartment and by the time you reach the corner, you've seen 15 interesting people. And if you've been paying attention, probably have material for five or six stories. So I love the life. I love the life on the streets in New York. And I, I love walking to, to the city. Yeah. It's something that you can't find anywhere else. It's so unique in that aspect. I, I know there, what you mean. There is nothing like it in any other city. And I, I just, I, I find being there so stimulating. Let's take a quick break. Did you know Classical Post is a brand built for your pleasure by Gold Sound Media? a New York creative studio developing content for music lovers around the United States. We're always looking for new opportunities to partner with music presenters, artists, and record labels. If you're interested in content to build your community, please get in touch. Head to goldsoundmedia.com. Now, back to the show.
Tell us about your new documentary, Viva Maestro, featuring one of the biggest celebrities in classical music, Gustavo Dudamel. So really curious to hear your take on this, why you created this, et cetera. Well, Viva Maestro, which opens in New York on April 8th and LA on the same day, uh, follows Gustavo Dudamel during two of the most uh, challenging years of his life. Um, and uh, while it starts in the, the blissful world of classical music and ends in the, in the incredibly joyful world of classical music, it navigates some of the most difficult challenges that Gustavo faced. And in the process is an affirmation of his values and, uh, and the joy of music making and its transformative power. Is there, um, a, kind of some recollection of creating it that, that was particularly challenging, um, that you wanted to discuss or, or, you know, I don't know if that's with the actual filming or maybe the editing process or the post-production, I, I don't know, uh, you could take that in, in different ways. Well, we can go a lot of different ways. Um, there were, uh, there were challenges in, in every dimension of making this film. There were creative challenges, which were fascinating and great. You know, how do you get an audience inside the head of a brilliant artist, uh, as he does this incredibly abstract thing, a conductor takes written notes on a sheet of music, imagines how they'll be performed, communicates that to a hundred players in an orchestra, and then delivers that imagined performance to an audience. It's, it's a very tricky, creative challenge to get inside someone's head like that. Um, he, we also faced, you know, a, a very, a very tricky storytelling challenge when a movie that we thought was going to be, uh, a simple film about. Uh, about music making and the relationship between Gustavo and an orchestra ended up uh, being uh, really turned upside down when uh, a crisis erupted in Venezuela that kept uh, Dudamel from returning there. And our plans, which were to film him during the course of three or four visits to Venezuela and focus on his relationship with the Bolivar Orchestra and the LA Phil just blew up in smoke. And we had to, we had to both redirect our plans for the film and find a new shape and story to tell. Um, that those were, those were two really substantial challenges. And, and the third, and one that I, I really shouldn't neglect and one that all of uh, your listeners have, have been through, which is that, that as we were, as we were just about to finish the film, the pandemic, uh, yeah. and, um, and we had to finish the film as all of your listeners have experienced under, under circumstances we never imagined. Um, and we've been, we've been sort of stuck on the pandemic runway, waiting for theaters to reopen and audiences to return to theaters. And, um, and that, that too has posed a, a very substantial set of challenges, but, um, but we've navigated them and like Gustavo, um, you know, at the podium with his orchestra, I think we have something very special and really joyful to deliver to, to audiences. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be, uh, on the other side of a five-year journey to be, uh, to be handing this, handing this to, to our audience. It's a long time. Yeah. For a project to start five years ago and then live through a pandemic. And then finally now, yeah, I know it's, it's a long journey. Yeah. Um, it, tell me about some of the, the, um, capturing his energy, uh, Gustavo's energy. I mean, he has just this incredible life about him and this spirit, uh, that I know is magnetic for really everyone. I mean, I think that's part of, at least in my opinion, probably um, his celebrity, if you will, um, because he has this magnetism about him. 
Um, how were you able to, to capture that uh, in the documentary? Well, that was one of the simpler things to capture because you simply turn the camera on and you see this vital, glowing, aesthetic force. Um, he's really one of the most exceptional people I've met in my life in that sense. He just radiates from the inside out um, a creative spirit. And, um, and so capturing that was, was not particularly difficult. We just were, were around him. Um, we used to joke that, uh, uh, every once in a while the crew would get separated. We'd have to hop into a car with Gustavo and some of the crew would be outside and following us in another vehicle. And, and we'd get out and, and the people that weren't with us would turn to me and say, how'd it go? And I, I was just ecstatic. And the cameraman was inside and he said, it's like, it's like riding with an aesthetic soundbite machine. Every, everything that came out of his mouth sounded, you know, profound and insightful and inspiring. Um, and, uh, the, the issue was really, uh, uh, we had an embarrassment of riches in that regard. It was, it was, uh, it was trying to find the, the nuggets. He, Jonathan has a real gift for analogy. Um, you can see it in the film. There's a moment, um, where he's, where he's working with the, the chorus of the Venezuelan, um, well, the Venezuelan national chorus, uh, Simon Bolivar chorus. And, um, they're rehearsing Beethoven's ninth and he's trying to get a particular quality, uh, from the chorus. And instead of talking about, you know, staccato or <laughs> legato or, you know, accelerando or you know, any of the technical terms you might use, he said, it needs to be sparkling, uh, more like champagne, less like moonshine. And, uh, and, and that, that ability, and I, you know, I can tell from your laughter, it, it reaches you that, that ability to reach through the technicalities to the spirit of, of music underneath, um, is, is profound. And, and because he's working, you know, with, with great professionals reaching that is, is, is critical and, and really the way he, he lifts people up. Um, and it's also incredibly effective with kids too, which is, you know, he's a, he's a Pied Piper. I mean, he's just, his effect on kids is magical. What would be the greatest, um, uh, nugget, if you will, that you would want people to, uh, take away after viewing and, and watching this, this documentary? Like. Like almost everyone on the planet, um, over the last few years, Gustavo faced in this film challenges that he had never expected to face and that really put to a test the things that he values the most. And he's an artist. So those are aesthetic and humanistic values. And in the face of all of that, he found a way to celebrate the human spirit and to affirm using art, that art has its place in the chaos and political crises of the world. And its place is to remind us of our humanity and to bring us together and to bring us together as a community in a concert hall, listening to beautiful music. And, um, and that may sound simple, but I think it's a profound value. And when you think of the, the troubles that we've all navigated these last couple of years, the things that, you know, we're going through right now is a crisis in Ukraine and Russia. Um, that simple affirmation 
of art's ability to bring us together and affirm our human shared experience is so mighty and it's such a great counterforce to the divisiveness and um and chaos in the world it 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 it, it, it unites us and i think um I, I would hope that that people that come to see the film are lifted up by that, that their spirits are lifted by it um yeah, excellent. Well, I know I, I have to say I watched it. And I thought it was an excellent um, film. I mean, just loved it. So well done, thank and you. Uh, thank you for bringing this into the world, birthing it, if you will. That's <laughs> sure. I uh, I was a I was a classical musician as it as a young person. It's nearly what I did with my life. I was a bassoon player. I nearly went off to Curtis, um, and so to have a chance to come back to um, to come back to classical music and and to be able to bring a new set of perceptions and to share the, the beauties of that kind of music and, and the special spirit of Gustavo as an audience has been a, a, an amazing experience these last few years. And I'm, I'm grateful for your interest and I hope you're, you're listening as well. Thank you. One last question and speaking to success at large and what it means to you um, as a person. So not necessarily regarding um, any of your projects specifically, but um, at large, uh, do you have any comments on that? Um, it's interesting, you know, success, my, my thinking about this has evolved over the years. Success, I, I tend to think of as something, uh, sort of outward and objective. Um, and you know, when I think about it in my own life, I think about goals, timeframes, things I want to achieve and a pathway to get there. You pursue success, make adjustments along the way. And when you get to where you think you wanted to be, you can measure and assess what you've got there. Um, and, and that is a fine dimension of life and a fine way to chart it. But as I've, as I've lived longer, I, I I've, I've found a way to distinguish between success and fulfillment, which I think is is a little bit more, um, internal and built around a slightly different set of, um, of measuring sticks. Fulfillment, I think is, um, operates around how you feel about what you're doing. Um, the circumstances in which you're working, your relationships with the people in your life. Um, and the results are sometimes surprising. Um, they're, they're often not the things you chart, um, but the ones that end up being the most enriching and lasting. And, um, I, I was talking with Kathy Schulman who produced our for now and won an Oscar from producing crash and is really an incredibly dynamic, um, filmmaker. Um, and when we were making dark for now, it was the hardest thing we'd ever done. We joked that it was like a double black diamond <laughs> film and we, we talked about how each morning we wake up facing a challenge we'd never faced and how hard it was. And then we realized that's what you live for. You know, you live to be tested in ways you had never expected and, um, and finding circumstances that are fulfilling, I think, provide you with those kind of tests and they force you to grow. And, and the more you, you know, throw yourself into those circumstances, the more you do grow and the more fulfilling your life is. And I think a byproduct of that can be 
an external measure of success, whatever that might be. Thanks for listening to the Classical Post podcast. I hope you have found it meaningful and that it gave you new ideas to cultivate your creativity to be better in business and life. So let's stay in touch. Remember to follow this podcast to get notified of new episodes and sign up for our monthly newsletter for album recommendations and editorial on leading artists. Just head to classicalpost.com slash subscribe. Thank you.